Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H.ca. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Creative Control with Beach Kana. Hello and welcome to episode 270 of Creative Control with Vish Kana. On this episode, a conversation with all three members of Tons. Tons is the mighty new Halifax, Toronto supergroup featuring Chris Murphy, Matt Murphy, and Mike O'Neill. Chris Murphy has ushered some excellent music into this world, both as the co-curator and co-founder of the Murder Records label, and, of course, as one quarter of one of the world's finest and most successful rock bands, Sloan. Matt Murphy is an accomplished journalist who has worked for CBC and Vice Canada and one of the most dynamic musicians and showmen anywhere. He's likely best known for his work in the band The Super Friends. Mike O'Neill is a busy and gifted screenwriter and occasional sound engineer for Trailer Park Boys and Black Jesus, who, he, you know, he has released these criminally underappreciated solo records. I urge you to check out Mike's solo discography because it's really incredible but he these records followed his time in the amazing band the inbreds and i feel like that has overshadowed some of his solo stuff which is a shame because it's all great really really wonderful stuff for mike o'neill so if it's not clear already when it comes to thoughtful pop and rock music trios this tons configuration couldn't possibly be more top shelf The band's self-titled debut record will be out August 26th via Royal Mountain Records, and they've been playing select shows of late, including a performance at the Hillside Festival, which is coming up in Guelph on Sunday, July 24th. I met up with tons at a restaurant in Toronto recently, and we had a revealing conversation. Revealing for them, as much as us, apparently. They said they learned things about themselves from our chat, so that's good to hear. So, yeah, listen for that, and also stick around to hear what I believe 
is a world premiere of a new ton song. These men mean a lot to me and were formative influences on my life, so please enjoy this conversation with tons. Exactly. Uh, Foasian 21 on King and Dufferin. At uh, King and Dufferin. King and Dufferin? Okay. And why did you pick this place? Uh, it's close to where I work. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, I knew it would be uh, a place. Uh, every time these guys, uh, Mike comes to town, he's very excited about having Vietnamese as well. So of the places around my work, this is the one I knew would work. I appreciate you making time uh, during your work day to come and meet with us. Yeah. Mike, you like Vietnamese food? That's I do. I do. I mean, there is Vietnamese food in Halifax, I think, but uh, it's it's cheaper here and better. Yeah, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> and what have you been up to? Well, I created a show with uh, Mike Clattenburg mm-hmm. um, about a guy that relocates raccoons, and we're waiting to see if uh, that gets uh, picked up by the CBC. About a, a guy who relocates raccoons. Yes, that a comedy. Sounds, that sounds very interesting. Yeah. And is it making headway? Well, I mean, we just need to... We'll, we'll see what happens. We're just waiting for, like, to go jump through the hoops and get a green light and all those other cliches. Right, that right. Use, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a thrill to speak with you guys again. Um, I wanted to start by asking Matt about the song Back Among Friends. Mm. Because... <laughs> I there are a few moments on this record that seem kind of meta to me where I feel like you're talking about yourselves which is you know lots of people write about themselves but does this song allude to this configuration definitely yeah yeah definitely and what does it mean uh, to you to be playing with these guys well it's um yeah you know um so <laughs> <laughs> uh well you know I let me just start with the song uh it's we were just playing it and uh, lyrically it just sort of made sense that uh, I just it had that sort of feeling of happiness and joy and it's certainly what I was feeling playing with these guys and yeah. playing music again personally after a long time not playing and so yeah so when I was working on the lyrics I was definitely thinking about that and what connects us 
uh, as people maybe through Nova Scotia. So there's some references there, and also the kind of music we played. So Chris and I have always played. Whenever we play music together, we always play Zeppelin covers and that kind of stuff as a warm up. And so yeah, there's little touches and references to all that sort of stuff. And um, I think maybe it also may have come from like. Just like maybe you know you're making music together and it's it it went famously well I would say like we 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 hit it off it was very few struggles but there may have been a struggle I think at the time where I was just feeling like oh, I'm not 100% satisfied right now and I I think I was a way to pinch myself and go hey this is like kind of the most amazing moment you're experiencing right now and and how are you gonna like drive that home in a song when you say you weren't necessarily satisfied yeah. can you Oh, man, I can't remember that. specifically what it was. It was probably just like, oh, my idea. They don't like my idea. Like some stupid thing like that. And, uh, and you know, and, and instead of like making a snarky song about <laughs> them not liking my idea, it, I turned it more into like, wait a minute, like this is kind of amazing. And all my, most the vast majority of experiences in this project have been so positive and, 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 uh, uplifting so that's what that's what the song's about when I listen to the record I hear a lot of stuff about camaraderie I hear a lot of stuff about the passage of time um, and and that makes perfect sense given maybe your vintage and how much time you've actually known each other is there but I also there's a sense of fun and joy here and uh, recognition that time is precious I think Um, but at the same time given your let's say pedigree is there pressure to be in tons, given all you've done in the past? Um, maybe, um, but it's positive. Like, and for me personally, I can only speak for me, um, si- uh, since I embarked on a solo career, everything takes so much time when you're kind of doing that. And there's a lot of pressure on you to kind of like, I have to make this as good as what I think the last one was like, you know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But this is... This has worked out extremely well because we really invent the songs in a rehearsal space. You know, at first, I think when we first got together and were playing, we had, we allowed each other, like, hey, if you have an old song that's not finished and we, and, and we have to lean on it, we mm-hmm. can go to one of those. But very quickly, we found a groove where we were um, writing things right on the spot, right in there together. Um, but what I was going to say is the only pressure I feel is that I have to play well to keep up. Like, I always kind of feel like I need to play better so I can fit in with these guys because I think they're such good players. So it brings out the, you know, the best of my playing, and I, I concentrate. Uh, but it's all positive. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, it's not negative pressure. Yeah. I feel like you would be too modest to acknowledge this, but I think among music fans and musicians, it's fair to say that you are, for those of us who know your work, you kind of, it feels like you invented a kind of bass playing in the inbreds. Yeah, but that, that kind of bass playing. Did you see, he just said, yeah, he didn't even fight that. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is so specific. <laughs> like that type of bass playing yeah. can only exist where there isn't, uh, like it, it takes up more space. Yes. And so I'm doing more conventional playing in this project for sure. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. It means a lot to me for sure. But I haven't been like, where am I going to chord in the song, guys, or whatever? Like, sure. You know, so, and you've have you been playing bass with other bands beyond? Since no, the, just my own. Just stuff. your own stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned that the songwriting initially it, it is more jammy. I feel like the last time we were together, 
Chris had suggested something about trading ideas over phones and electronically and then just sort of coming up with yeah making and then I think Matt you said something about just making noise at each other until until things <laughs> congealed has that changed very much um, the process is really um, getting together and I essentially just say here's a drum beat that I can play well or here's a drum beat I've always wanted to play you guys make something up and unbelievably like a lot of the times they come up with great stuff so I almost feel like I'm just watching it happen and I'm like I'm playing a Tears for Fear song over here and these guys are just like making up all kinds of stuff that obviously is not anything like Tears for Fears for example and then and then and we collect all these ideas and you know a couple days later we have 50 and then we do a voting process and then and so I we all know how to write songs I you know when I'm writing songs it's a fairly boring process of coming up with the chord progression and melodies but with all of these these riffs and ideas it's just all kinds of gold it's all kinds of great ideas that are you know I, we, I apply conventional songwriting craft to it you know after, after uh, but, but I'm uh, applying it to something that's already like a real, super cool riff that I could never come up with by myself so it's super fun for me and I'm definitely I have a you know a backlog of half-baked ideas but I haven't dipped into it at all like it's all brand new stuff super exciting and I, ca- I kind of can't believe it but it's, it's really kinda, fun it's kind of like we uh, yeah we make a bunch of material yeah, yeah. that is unfinished and then we divvy up the spoils of what we think is the best stuff and it's sort of organic there's you know we go I, I, I like this and I li- okay I like this one and I'll, I'll work on this and you become the the sort of uh, chaperone of that song from chauffeur it from that point to the to the record whether you know often lyrically but not always um melodically sometimes but not always but more or less if you're going to sing it you're going to be the one who's also going to have the last say on the mixing and how you want it to be structured i felt like that there was certainly uh, a deference to the person who was singing it to have um have a little bit more invested in the way yeah. it ended up turning out i kind of hypothesized about what I'm hearing on the record in terms of potential themes. Have you guys articulated what this band might be? Is it simply a, a social gathering among talented people? Or have you talked, when you say you've worked on lyrics together, I'm picking up things, there's a lyric of Chris's that actually alludes to two songs of yours. Oh, well, that yeah, that's but there's a lot of other things he drops in that song too. I th- what are you it, talking about? Are you talking about? Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the song that talks about the olden days songs kind of thing. It's called "Look Who's Back in Town yeah. Again." Yeah. yeah, we're just sort of I joking about the idea of going back to Halifax and like it, I'm sort of presupposing there's an attitude in Halifax where like oh look who decided to come back, <laughs> but I'm joking and exaggerating and joking with these guys about it, but. Um, but yeah, I, there's a little bit of self-referential stuff in there. Yeah, and I, I find that refreshing just as a fan who's followed you guys. Like when, when you mentioned Down in Flames, you mentioned Drag Us Down. I assume those are deliberate nods. Yes, but it was, in the first place it wasn't. Like it, it, was, uh, it was an afterthought. It was like Drag Us Down to mem- Memory Lane. I should just make these into the, these old songs. And, uh, and that's a little Easter egg for people like you, Vish. <laughs> Did I ruin the surprise? I, I just, I, I you There's know. way more in that song yet to be discovered. <laughs> Mike, I mean, uh, most of your songs seem to be, and they're very clever as always. I mean, when I think of 
lonely life, it's sort of reflecting on time and the passage of time. Oh, what? You gave Chris a sidelong glance there. Did I get that wrong? I don't know. What do you... <laughs> Go ahead. Spill some Do you beats. want me to... <clears throat> well, I can't... I mean, the only cleverness that can be attributed to me <laughs> in that song is the singing because... Um, I had help with the lyrics on that one. Oh, yeah. Chris, I gather based on the glance that you might have had a hand in that. I threw some of that in there. This song, it seems to be a song about bachelorhood, maybe? Yeah, but it's. It, I, I wrote a lot of those lyrics and I'm just sort of like just farting around. He didn't, he didn't write it thinking, oh, here's one that Mike should sing, <laughs> <laughs> but won't write himself. But it worked. <laughs> I hear you're that, if I did not know that, like, it totally seems like something that you would well, sing and say. I, I would say this. I would say this about, uh, about that song. It's the exception to the rule. Like, I would say that mostly whoever sings kind of wrote the words, and that's one song that's kind of like... A, a collaboration that way but I don't think and I, I think it's fun to see him singing that and sometimes I feel like he's kind of rolling his eyes look what I have look what you made me sing like a series of puns or whatever it is I can't even remember the lyrics but uh, I think it's fun to sort of put words into the mouths of others and and to like play a like Led Zeppelin drums over Mike, you know, Mike's going to have to sing over this Led Zeppelin beat. It's kind of, it's all fun to me. It's like, this is something he probably wouldn't do. And, you know, it's not, I don't mean to say, here's something that will sabotage something that Mike's doing, but I think it's part of the fun or what's different about this process or whatever. It's kind of blowing my mind because Mike and I had a very uh, lovely encounter once on this show where I went to his home, his childhood home, and I met his mother, and we had a nice conversation. But in that song, I almost hear his mother <laughs> talking to him to be like, you know, like when I hear the call and response about <laughs> it's the magic of music. Is the listener I'll be having an awesome time. Like, do you still need love? Like all that stuff. It sounds like a mother talking to a son, and that's just because you're singing it. Maybe that's what I think. That's kind of possibly, yeah. I love him like a son. If that's not. Also, I wanted to mention right now that Chris calls my mom I, my mom's never going to hear this Chris I'm going to say I just love it I so much I do send my episodes to your mom now uh, yeah you do <laughs> she, but he came up with the nickname Mrs. Claus which is kind of like for for anyone who hasn't seen my mom she does have a Mrs. Claus vibe she does absolutely and she's warm and she's warm you can't leave the house without a present that's what I found it's it's a lovely experience you're hanging out I, with your mother I, I, I think she's great and she thinks I'm great, and I don't want to. I don't think I'm speaking at her turn to say that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. When you're writing these songs, you're saying this is the exception that Chris kind of wrote you a song. Generally, you're writing your Typically, own stuff. We're 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 also showing each other the lyrics, which is you know embarrassing. How can I finish this line? There's more. It's more like that. It's more like here's where I'm going with this. Help me finish. What? How do I finish the sentence? It's more like that, I would say. For it is like, here's, a, here's a, some lyrics I wrote you, now go for it. I mean, I, I did want to mention too, like, I think that maybe in another configuration with other musicians, I wouldn't be open to singing something that I didn't write. But I was really, I was like, I'm going to go for this, I'm going to try it. And in fact, I feel like it was one of the first songs that I sang. I think I ended up redoing the vocals, but I just wanted like, so... To me, that's just the way this is, you know? When you have what people might call a supergroup, people assume there might be egos that need to be relinquished or dealt with on some level. You each are 
very renowned songwriters. You each have leadership, I think, uh, tendencies. <laughs> How difficult has it been to navigate those waters, so to speak, uh, among you? Because you guys are friends first, right? Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's just... We're also older. I mean, I don't think we could have maybe done this in our 20s. I don't. I think we would have all had wanted to, you know, be in control of the destiny of all the music we make. But having been around and played and supported people and led things, it's 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 not that hard. I haven't personally haven't found it hard at all to um, to be a just be an equal with everyone. And if that's the way you want to put it, I mean, Super Friends wasn't that different in in terms of the way we were structured, although there were more tensions on that level. Yeah. Um, but in this, I don't find that we have that yet. I mean, it's of course it could happen. Of course it could, but I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Uh, Matt and Chris have known each other for I think thirty years, correct? And so um, I'm the new guy. Like I'm like the Ringo, uh, and twenty years. Twenty years. <laughs> that know them, but um, I find that when we were uh, writing a melody line to sing or working on that they would lock into like this harmony and it was just like it was amazing to watch it's but magical to hear if i yeah, might say yeah so there was a couple of times where it's like okay these guys have this like i'm not going to there's nothing i can add because it was just like these guys tracking each other and singing and making it up on the spot often well anyway that's all i'm saying it's like for me as and i'm this would probably be gross to listen to but I'm a fan of these guys so when I was watching them do it I was amazed you know I really like it yeah I can see how you would feel like well you don't feel like a third wheel I mean this is a you, you hey, don't sell yourself short I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm just saying that I'm saying that for me writing a harmony I'm I'm more used to writing on my own yeah and multi-tracking and adding ideas but here I was in a configuration where there's other melodic leaders, you know, and yeah. people coming up with harmonies. And so for me, it's a bit of a new world that way. Yeah. And uh, so, and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, y you two, uh, Matt and Mike, have you've had you, you've had your sort of core bands. You've gone on to collaborate with other people. That's something you're used to, Chris. And some they played together though too. They, Matt, Matt did some touring with the Inbreds and also played on at least one of the records, right? Yeah. yeah. But you haven't, Chris. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, my point was, you know, you've been in Sloan, which is, what, 25 years now? Yeah. 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 But that, I mean, and that is a band, and I've been in that band, but we don't, it's really, uh, it's not, we don't write like I write with these guys in tons. It's not like that. And I crave it. Like, I, to me, music was always in my teens and I always wanted it to be a, basically a social thing to do with friends, and and Sloan is still fun, um, but it, we don't we don't uh, get together and throw our heads back and laugh and write music together. Usually, it's a little bit more, but not in a way that is sad to me or anything. It's just it's just sort of the way it is and kind of the, what's most efficient. But uh, in this way, you know, there's in, in Sloan we like switch around where Andrew will play guitar for his own songs and that kind of thing but with this like I do sing uh, lead on some songs it's fairly even split right now but I've, I stay at the drums and everybody just sort of stays in their place I, what I, where I was going was in the 25 year history of Sloan as far as I can re recall there's not 
there's almost no instances where a member of the band has gone on to write with someone else. Am I wrong? I can think of one. I, I have this vague memory of Patrick doing a song on like a Sonic Onion compilation with a band. I think it's called Give Me the Keys or something like that. But otherwise, you guys kind of, you don't branch. Is that right? You don't really play with other people. Yeah, I've always poo-pooed it. The, thing, the Give Me the Keys thing was actually Brendan McGuire, and Patrick may have played on it. But uh, I played on it too. But um, uh, what's my point? Yeah, I've always, I've always um, sort of, I didn't want side projects and all that stuff. I wanted all the best material in Sloan. And I didn't, you know, the Eric Strip example is one that I know that you would know. It's like Elevator to Hell was better. And, uh, you know, I thought that was a shame. And I, it doesn't matter that it's not the same band. But in my mind, romantically, I wished that all that elevator stuff was in Eric's trip, although who cares? But, uh, like, but again, with this, this does not, not that I have to justify this, but this does not work into my stockpile of material. Like, this is, like, brand new stuff that I basically get to um, have access to that I wouldn't have otherwise. Are you self-conscious at all about it? Because you say you're the one who's poo-pooed it among the members, but now you're doing this, now you're... I mean, I don't know if it was just me, but um, I definitely feel that sort of romantic thing about being, you know, trying to make a giant body of work or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe there's a story there where I've, I'm, uh, you know, turning my back on that or something. But uh, uh, I love that I'm able to do this. I don't think that this drives anybody in, in Sloan crazy. I mean, if we become richer millionaires or something might have something to but I don't think any of us really uh, can imagine that happening and we're all grown ups with jobs and stuff you know Matt's got a full time job Mike has a full time writing job and I've got a job too it's just the same as theirs in a way you have all been associated with Halifax music um, in the last 25 years let's say Um, I I imagine that can be uh, amazing I can imagine that can be a burden that people are still asking you about this particular, you know, two of you don't live there anymore. Um, there will be some people who are surprised by the sound of tons because it echoes that stuff, but I'm also hearing, like, stuff that I didn't think you guys would do, and I think it has a lot to do with the rhythm and, and stuff like that. Um, but back to my point, do you feel saddled by the Halifax stuff at any point these days? Uh, Mike, you're still there. Do you feel like... It's a burden at all to be associated with something that happened, you know, arguably 20 years ago? Um, hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. What, um, are you burdened by what you've done in Halifax? Well, just the fact that people will always associate you with, or not always, but I mean, it's, it can be hard to redefine yourself to, in some people's eyes. I don't know. I would prefer that, I think, than to... I don't have an... I feel I have a strong identity as a Toronto artist, per se. Like, yeah. I still consider myself coming out of the Halifax scene and that that era and I'm I don't, don't know where else I would belong <laughs> um, and I don't feel any I don't feel handcuffed by that at all but I don't know what people's perception is either I don't have any idea of what people's perception of my music and career such as it is is I I just don't know I agree with that I was thinking like from the inside that we weren't uh, we didn't have beakers filled with like Halifax uh, solution and whatever like it's just sort of like we're just bringing out in my mind the best in each other 
and then from the outside it may be easy to see the common denominator which is we are all spent time in Halifax so and then and then the band name of course refers to the technical university yeah this is a school it's the technical university of nova scotia which no one here attended right no no as I recall, it's just it was just a list. It was just on a list of names, and yeah. it just stuck out. That's right. Yeah, we would had a very long list that was uh, that was probably the, one of the most more charged uh, <laughs> discussions <laughs> that our group has had <laughs> over names. Um, and but uh, yeah, there was just a friend of ours who threw that in the pot oh, for okay. us because we were at that stage where you're just like, God, do you have any band names? Because uh, we're out, we can't think yeah. of one. And then our friend Jose sent us sent me an email how about tons and i was like oh i'll try it out i like it and then we sat with it it went wasn't a a hit like off the bat but we ended up being like i guess that's the most functional and best one and we can relate to it and it sounds good and we're not offended by it now i really quite like it well it's one of the reasons i asked this question about being associated with a region because you've done it in a way yourself you've actually said you know this is an allusion to something I find it interesting that it was not something necessarily near and dear to you as students, but did you have much interaction with tons? Sure. I mean, it's like a, it's in the center of town, and they would have concerts uh, on the lawn. Lawn uh, jam. Uh, lawn, lawn jam. jam in the eighties. Famous in Halifax. The you know the <laughs> underground scene bands would be outside playing to be all this like hippies and punks dancing to basic English yeah. or. System overload or whatever. It's, it's a touchstone at the most, like in Halifax, like um, leather jackets with tons written on them when you're a kid. Like, I don't know. That's it. You know, like it's just a touchstone as an identifier of par- one part of downtown Halifax. That's how it's I would It's just part it. of the iconography that you've yes, associated exactly. with the city. Okay. Yeah, that's right. One of the reasons Halifax resonated with me beyond the music was that I got a sense that there was community. And I mentioned earlier that I hear a lot of camaraderie coming through in these songs. Do you think that's a, a, a testament to that region? Is it just luck of the draw that most of you seem to galvanize and get together? Like with very few instances of infighting, it just seemed like that, that resonated with me. Like, oh, like they're part of a team and they're all working together on some level. It felt like that's, that's the way it appeared. I'm sure there's backstories and weird things. But as, again, is that a testament to the region or just luck of the draw? I personally don't think it's the region. I, I think you can find people like us in bands all over the world who have are like-minded and get along and are friends or maybe even family. Like, um, I, I just chalk, personally just chalk it up to our experience and and this and where we're at right now. I mean, and also this that it's not the our only project in life and that not our whole livelihood or lives are depending on this one project or our future for instance that it's an exciting avenue for us to pursue as alongside all the other parts of our lives if when you're young when you're in your 20s and all you're doing at a university and you're just in this one band then the stakes start to feel a lot higher so i don't think we we don't the only stakes we feel are that are we going to are we going to present ourselves accurately are we being true to ourselves are we making the music we want to make that's kind of it um, I don't worry about anything like you asked about whether I, whether we're half defined as a Halifax band or Toronto band age um, length of album none of that it's just <laughs> it's, or even or am I going to make enough money on this to pay for my housing it's not a consideration 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So that, that takes the heat off, right? And that makes it easier for people to relate to, to get along like friends as well. So that lack of pressure, that liberation, is that a foreign concept to you in terms of your past musical work? I, I, so. I, I think the lack of, of, of it, having to pay your rent and all that stuff sort of harkens back to the time when it didn't matter and like we were in our late teens or early 20s and living at home or living for for cheap with a bunch of roommates or whatever and uh, not having to worry about what it's actually going to be. I mean, that's in a yeah. way the sort of, it's a hearkening back to that sort of time because now we have other jobs and we can just not have to worry about it. You're so. right. It's, it's basically like before you're, you before when you're just making, entering music and it's just all just fun and all you want to do is just like play with, jam in someone's garage and constantly be pl- making stuff up and it can be covers or whatever then you get a then you have like an opportunity to tour and then you're actually making some money and then you're going like oh I'm going to try and make this a job for the next few years this starts to change your attitudes towards I'm music quit university. you get it gets competitive <laughs> and it gets all these things that you are suddenly foreign feelings and uncomfortable um and now it's it does just to reiterate what Chris was sort of getting at. It's now we're sort of at a place where we're back where we very very early started, and that's what that joy and freedom and relaxation and relaxed vibe is 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 um, mirroring, I guess. At the same time, I mean, Mike says that working with you two makes him feel compelled to prove himself, um, which is that's yes. a lovely thing to say. But I don't get the impression your competitive juices are completely. No, dry. <laughs> no, no. But, but it's this like is a great it's, record, but it's in a good point. way. It's just like, oh, I have to make. Sh- I want to. I want. What's a really, really good idea? Yeah. It's not like I'm gonna get kicked out of the band if I don't come up with a good idea, or like people are gonna think I'm a fucking loser or anything like that. It's more that uh, it's a very um, inspiring kind of competitiveness. I'd say just to be like, oh, I can't believe. For instance, one might say, oh, I can't believe Chris just came up with that amazing melody on that song. I wish I could do something as good as that. Next opportunity, I'm going to try and use that inspiration to create something. It'd be like, I don't know, do you guys feel the same on that? I don't, I don't know. I guess I would just, just change the language from like, well, whatever, I don't know, it's maybe silly to say, is like, instead of like I wish I could do that it's like I know I can do that I know these guys can all do it like we're in a we're in we don't I feel like we don't have to handle each other with musical kid gloves it's like this is the best idea I have I don't have to worry about 
kicking your ass because I've seen you. You're as good as I am. Like I don't have to. I, I don't mean to suggest that that goes on in other aspects of my life where I have to like play down how smart I am or something. But I, I can be as strong as I want to because I'm. I got guys who are super strong and and can uh, whatever come up with any any ideas as as much as well as I can and can speak better. <laughs> You mentioned that you thought it would be uh, kind of fun to uh, throw a, a Led Zeppelin groove at Mike, which I thought was interesting. There's a couple of interesting nods, or at least things I'm hearing, that I was surprised by. Do you guys like the police? I like the police. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that comes up, and I feel like... I, well, I don't know. I feel like you would probably want to down... Mike would want to downplay that uh, comparison or that uh, that vibe. But I, I love the police... And I probably, I'm probably doing that, um, you know, purposely or not purposely. But I definitely love the police. Is it is it um, mind your manners that is the song that I'm thinking of? That's like super like yeah. super policey. Yeah, if I might say that is. I it's got so. it's got um, next to you. Yeah, a little by bit. The police a little bit. It's got a bass solo essentially. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's got a bass breakdown. It's it's mo- I think of it as next to you. Brendan Canning refers to that one as the Devo song. Yeah. Interesting. I guess we all hear different things. <laughs> Would you downplay the police thing? No. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. No, I, this is an interesting thing because I, I have... Oh, you have to go. Sorry, Matt. Okay. <laughs> sorry, Matt, uh, for keeping... We're going to... Bye. Nice to see you. Thanks for making time. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Sorry. Yeah. See you around. Did I overstay my welcome? Is it, is it dragging on? Did he? Ha- I mean, he's got to go back to he work. He just had to go back. He yeah. just is on a tight schedule. Well, this is actually good because I don't know about him, but we were talking about bands and maybe downplaying, downplaying our, our likes. I don't really get to talk to people too much about U2. And my understanding, the band U2, and my understanding is that growing up, U2, U2, Mike and Chris, enjoyed U2. Is that right? I was big into U2, yeah. In fact, we were like, what, what, let's play a cover. Or should we learn a cover? And then we can never decide. And then I said, Mike, let's play Seconds by U2. But uh, we didn't. <laughs> it's not cool to like U2, but is this... You, <laughs> do you, you liked U2, right? Definitely. Mike? Yeah, definitely. they were a big... Like, I remember Dave, uh, your partner in the Inverts, Dave told me that... And I didn't know this. We've talked about, I think... And you saw R.E.M. in the early days. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the, those bigger bands were a big influence on you guys. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I don't think it's possible to be... You can't like R.E.M. and U2. That was the uh, Beatles Stones of the 80s, or the Oasis Blur, if you will. Uh, I was definitely U2. I thought R.E.M. was boring. Although these guys, Matt and, and Mike, will often, like, they'll be playing a riff and they'll be like, that's very R.E.M. And I'm like, that's great. Sounds good to me. But, uh, you know, nobody's mumbling and, like, turning their back to the camera or whatever. But, um, uh, yeah, I love U2. I loved them so much. I remember when when the unforgettable fire was about to come out like just the feeling of like oh my god i can't wait to hear what this sounds like and i only you know that was near the end of that feeling in general for music for me i can think <laughs> of a couple more records i felt that way but did, did unforgettable fire move you i loved unforgettable fire like i didn't like it as much as war but uh, i definitely uh, i liked it a lot listen to it a lot i know it well that, that's a, i mean i don't know anything of theirs past Joshua Tree, like Joshua Tree, was when oh. they discovered American music or something. I, I don't like. Uh, was Rattle and Hum first? 
Oh, no, sorry. Rattle and Hum's 89. Joshua Tree's 87. Rattle and Hum is what I'm talking about. A Joshua Tree is later? No, no, Joshua Tree's 87, and then Rattle and Hum kind of captures Joshua the Joshua Tree's the last one, and then I st- stopped paying attention. I bought Joshua Tree, and I, I never played it. I never played it once. Uh, why is that? I have a mint copy of Joshua Tree, if you want it. First There's edition. some good songs on that, for sure. No, I know, but like you, didn't, you could just turn on the radio and hear the whole record. Oh, I see what you're saying. Let me try to explain a joke uh, to, to people that might not get it. I mean, I think you have to... Okay, so when we, when we first started playing, and, and the way we would do it would be we needed a starting place, like something, because there was, there was myself and, and Matt and Chris, and there was a lot of mutual respect. How are we going to start a song? Where are we going to start this thing? And so the first thing we tried was, Chris, play a drum beat that, uh, that, that you like, and then we'll just make up a new song over that drum beat. This is good. I know what you're talking about. And so, anyway, we tried various songs, and sometimes it would be like we'd play The Cure, and we would just invent a song over the drum beat. And so the drum beat really helped. But Chris had in his mind an original song that he was following. And uh, anyway, we tried this with various songs, and and had all these uh, all this fruit like we'd come up with our own thing until you couldn't even hear the original song because you'd hear ours but we the one exception that had comical results was we used the drum beat from Sunday Bloody Sunday and tried to write a song over it and I mean I for anyone musical I'll I'll send you a copy of the jam it's on I have a voice memo of it and it's it's a scream. It's interesting how it's, like that's a signature beat. Yes, it is. Like that and pride in the name of love. And I know you didn't listen to Bullet the Blue Sky, but there's certain beats of Larry Mullen Jr.'s that are distinctively his. Oh yeah, yeah. And and so yeah, that's hilarious that you tried to do because that I would be like, why are they playing the Sunday Bloody Sunday? Like anyone who knows that song, it just could you couldn't be done. Or, yeah, or you like, can't do that. We or, were joking. Like come together. If you played yeah. come together and tried to write, yeah. So anyway, there's I, a few songs. I wonder out there. if more people don't think of beats as riffs. You know. Like you wouldn't just be like, yeah, I'm just gonna do this ACDC riff, and like no one's gonna be able to tell, but everyone would be able to tell. Drum beats are a little weirder, right? Like that way. I don't think. I mean, people. I, I, I think that. Uh, yeah, I think drum memorable drum parts are. I mean, it's fun in the in the especially in the with it with a trio. You know, there are lots of places to put things that hopefully are memorable or whatever, kind of catchy. You have to fill the space, and you know, like I mean, you're always filling space, Mike. I, I think about it. You've gone from a two-piece to this three-piece, and you've got to fill the space. I mean, you're used to a four-piece. Like, has it been weird being in a trio, Chris? Okay, but that's what I was going to say. Is the the fantastic thing about this is, I feel like I've been trying to get back to leaving space. So when I do solo records, I have, I I go through this whole process where I try to take out all the stuff because. When you have something you like, you're like, oh, I'm going to add this. Oh, I'm going to add this. And then before long, you just have this, like, soup. And we did very minimal overdubs over this album. So it really is a three-piece where, in fact, I think that we're most successful when Matt and I have periods in a song where we're playing exactly the same thing. In the, in the song, uh, Look Who's Back in Town Again, that's very, it's like, Matt and I are playing the same riff. I'm playing it on bass, he's playing on a guitar, and I love the way it sounds. And it's just Chris playing drums on that. So, in fact, I think that's a strength of ours. And when we play live, when we played with other bands, I've always felt proud that we boldly leave so much space. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's fair. I, yeah. 
Chris, I want to ask you a songwriting question, and, and I, you know, now that you're in this new project, it's certain feelings are coming up in me, you know, like certain things that I maybe didn't, I've taken for granted in Sloan, but like I was listening to the, some of your lyrics, and, and I mean, I didn't realize that you'd written the song for Micah, but I feel like you you always come across as an autobiography, or rather an observational songwriter. Also, I think you're a very autobiographical songwriter. I starting to uh, on this record in particular, it seems to me that you write songs. You might be writing songs about other people's perceptions of you. Does that make sense? I don't know. Maybe uh, <laughs> you would say that. He said in an interview where he tried to assume what the interviewer was asking. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's funny. I'll go home and I'll think about that for a while. I can't. It's too much. It's my head's blowing up right now thinking about it. Is that a convoluted way of asking that question? No, it's interesting and fun for me. I mean, I think the idea of like you know what kind of songwriter are you is just so embarrassing. It's like it's one who like had a musical ember of an idea that he's blowing on, and now he's got to write a friggin' poem over top of it. That's where I'm at. Well, I yeah, th- you, I, that's a good way to describe it. I think one of the reasons I've always related to your songs is because you seem very self-aware on some level, and you also are self-conscious on another level. Like, I think you're a sensitive guy, and I think I'm a sensitive guy, and I appreciate that. You're probably with us in that. Like, I think that probably all of us, and especially Mike and I, because we spend more time together, usually when we get together, you know, Mike will come up to town, usually stay at my house. He's staying at Matt's house right now. But, you know... Yes, I want to. I want the world to think that I am self-aware and I'm not, whatever. You know, Mike and I both raised Catholic. You know, having huge, make trying taking great pains to not uh, behave in any kind of entitled way or like basically after you know after you to the point of ridiculousness. And he's even worse than me, so he makes me feel like I'm an entitled you know going around kicking down doors well the reason i ask this is because i find that mike's songs and this is not uh meant to be disparaging in any way but often your songs uh take on the pronoun of i chris often your songs tend to take on the pronoun of you and this is where i'm wrestling with what and i mean this is great this is open to interpretation everyone can get whatever they want from a song but i do think this is where i've circled back to chris is always talking about this mystical you i feel like he's talking about himself and I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you in this Vietnamese restaurant, but I do think it's interesting that the way you talk about each other, or the way you talk about yourselves in your songs, and that's all I'm getting at. Because you, you mentioned someone mentioned earlier, might have been Matt, that you're finish, you're able to finish each other's sentences and lyrics. You guys might know each other better than anyone on some level, and I just think that's an interesting dynamic as songwriters, because you could potentially write songs about each other and know each other better than you know yourselves. Yeah. Get, get the other person to sing it thinking that it isn't about them until it's done and mixed and on a record. My, uh, my ultimate goal was to have someone compliment him on the lyrics in front of me and that's just happened. So, um, <laughs> I like the idea of, you know, I'm saying you but I mean I but I'm putting the listener in the perspective of the writer. <laughs> you just write my university essay? That's amazing. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I want to uh, figure out what's sort of next for this band because this record's been in the can for a while, so to speak, uh, and you've got—it's not even out yet, so people are still going to be processing it for some time. Um, but are you writing? Are you writing more? 
we, we've had we've played a couple shows in 2016 you know sporadically but when we get together we usually you know I'll bring either a, a simple recording setup or just record on my phone and we've got tons more jams and we've already gone through a you know a very thorough I always put them to through the ringer a very thorough uh, process of going through all of them listening to them all we drove to New York recently played and I brought my computer and I forced us all to listen to all these things and kind of rate them and now we're, I think we have 18 you know we narrowed it down to sort of 18 jams or whatever for, you know and which is more than we had when we made the first record anyway we're pretty psyched about them so I don't know what like when anything will happen but uh, we're we're thinking about it and we're we're it's fun to to do we also don't want to be one of those bands that's like oh you like uh, you like this record eh well wait to hear our new stuff no I understand you know? it's hard to so, talk about stuff that hasn't it, been but we're excited about it and the thing that I think is different is I think a lot of that album is we went through that process of Chris playing a beat from The Cure as a starting point. Yeah, yeah. But this new one builds on the sound that we discovered as a band. So I think that I believe that the next record is going going to be more like us. Uh, we've almost uh, influenced ourselves in a way. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, so. it'll be more like Regatta de Blanc, if that makes any sense. That really puts me off. Any kind of police reference. You don't like Zenyatta no, Manata? I, I, I'm, I'm just, he's playing on me having said that he doesn't like the police. Uh, I like to put words in Mike's mouth. He's like, you know, we don't want to be one of those bands that says, you know, you like this album? Wait till you hear our next album. And he's like, we're always trying to think, how can we think that and not say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a remarkable record. And, you know, I think you guys know I like this band a lot, and I'm glad it's happening. And uh, I I uh, appreciate the, as I say already, the self-awareness, the hint of nostalgia. But I feel like it's not nostalgia for music, even. It seems like nostalgia for your own relationships, which is a nice, it's it's refreshing. Like, like are you finding that? Like, I alluded to this earlier. Like, as a, I'm a father, I have two children, and I've never been more conscious of the passage of time. Um is that something that well the funny thing is the funny thing is that you know I've got this relationship with Chris but it's relatively new like I think we've become closer more recently so I don't I don't uh, it's not really nostalgia my relationship with Chris Um, but uh, it's it may be nostalgia for the potential of us having a band in the 90s in some weird way like I mean uh, what am I trying to say you see I still don't think that this is it's a funny situation to be in because I'm obviously aware that there are a lot of young bands that are in some way influenced by 90s music let's say that even though um, I don't think that that's I don't it's totally new it's like that 70s show they dress apparently like the 70s but that's not how people dress in the 70s at all so anyway it's funny that this thing comes out now because uh we're making this music and we're very naturally we just do our thing which happens to have been formulated and maybe 
there's a real strong taste of 90s in our music. But that's just because that's what we do. We're not doing it to throw back at all. But I, I think you make a good... Uh, I, I'm aware of the nostalgia factor uh, that's happening, but it's just in the same way that I never think about Chris in the 90s. I think about Chris now. But yeah. I, I don't think it's a sonic... I don't think it's yeah. a nod to anything you've done in the 90s yeah. as a collective. Or Don't you think it's like a, a vantage point that you have because you knew who all, all of us were. We were all, whether or not we we're from the same town, because we kind of weren't, but that's a long story. But, but we all kind of had these things happening at the same time. You've had those things and they've, whatever, you remember those things. And now it's like saying, you know, three people from sitcoms from the 90s are now all on the same show Can you, like what part like has nothing to do with those shows but you just remember us from those shows it's like you know the golden girls is fine but yes it's b arthur from mod betty white from the mary tyler moore show and whatever like maybe that's a terrible analogy but uh that's topical <laughs> do you know what actually i was just thinking there have been a few times where matt will say this sounds like the inbreds is that okay He'll say to me, Interesting. and I'll say, I'll say, I love the end of uh, Lonely Life because it reminds me of the Super Friends. And then all of us will say, that's too much like Sloan. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only thing that's like not allowed. That's not allowed because it's yeah. kind of like, and, it, and I kind of feel like Chris's voice is so, like he's not the singer from Sloan, but as soon as he sings something, it's like the Sloan effect goes up quite a few notches, you know, but it's just his voice. Oftentimes, you know? they, at the same time, we'll all say, those two will say, that sounds like Sloan, and I'll be saying, that sounds like a hit. <laughs> but, you, know, you know, normally in an interview, I would learn nothing, but what I actually learned today is that um, I think I'm now, I, I feel like I, what I told you earlier, which I was just barfing out without thinking, uh, that we are it's like the time in our lives before making music as a job became a drag. And it's like, we're making music for fun. It's like, you want to play this thing? It's a benefit. It's like, great. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, let's go have fun. Uh, it's great. I just, I can't emphasize that enough. It, obviously, as Chris says, it means a lot to me for my, you know, this reflects a formative, your work reflects a formative time for me. We are not available for benefits. Yes, I was just about to ask, so it's good to know. Now, uh, the record's out in, is there a date? I think it's August 26th. Yeah, I was going to say 24th, but you're probably right. I'm making it up. Okay, okay one so of those late two. August, and yeah. it's on, uh, oh, it's on this label run by the people of Colorado. Is that how it works? Yeah, Royal Mountain, and they have, uh, we knew they had that band Always, which did really well last year, and the, the other band that they have that's doing really well is that band Pop, and uh, so... Yeah, so that label's got some heat, and I went and I I went to a Christmas party there, and it just seemed very. It did not seem posh or like beautiful offices. It was a lot like Murder Records in my mind. I just thought it was cool. We like Menno Verstig from Colorado, who uh, is essentially the the label guy, and we all love hanging out with him, and we get a big kick out of him, and. And we were, my, I, I don't know if I'm out of line to say, I feel like Mike was saying, I kind of hope that like some young, hip kids are into it. And that's kind of who we feel they are, and we're happy to be involved with them. 
That's great. I, I can't wait for the whole world to hear this thing. And uh, and you guys are playing the Hillside Festival, which is nice. You know, you probably could have played any festival you wanted. And you come into Guelph. That's very kind of you. Thank yeah. you. And thanks. Th- thanks. Well, anyway, I'm not going to. Go ahead. There might be a conflict of interest. No, no, go ahead. I feel like you've had an influence on that, too. So well, thank maybe. You. Okay. I might have suggested something. and Grease the uh, wheels. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm a fan of your band and your yeah. work and... It's. I like to. When you have the ability to get things you like and the things you like, you should. <laughs> yeah. You should take it. So yeah. it's great. Is there a song from the new record that we can go out on right now? Back among friends. Right. Back among friends. Back among friends. Yeah. Is, is this the lead track? It's the first track on the record. Yes. Yeah, that's right. If that's what you mean by lead. I'll give you an album order if you don't have that. I, I just was making sure that it's like, you know, it's a nice way to kickstart the record is all I meant. And I know. And it goes back to the beginning of the interview. That's right. Yeah. And Matt's not here to speak to it necessarily, yes. but uh, it's a great song. And, uh, and I, yeah, let's, let's just play it. And it's nice to be back among you who I like to consider friends. Well, good to see you, Vish. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Matt, for being on the show and best of luck with everything in tons. Right on. Thanks, Matt. Thanks.
There you go, world premiere. As far as I know, a world premiere of a brand new ton song called Back Among Friends. Thank you very much to Mike and Chris and Matt for being on this program. Thanks to uh, Royal Mountain Records for letting us play a brand new song on the show. I love this album. I love tons. I've seen them. They're great. Go to tonsmusic.com, T-U-N-S, music.com for more information about them. You can look at the... You can actually hear another song, Mind Over Matter, there. I'm looking at the site right now. You can hear another song, Mind Over Matter. You can look at the album artwork. I believe that's the album artwork. And uh, kind of like a John Lennon-esque drawing. They might be mad that I said that. I know two of them probably would be into that the fact that I said that, but I don't know. Anyway, Tons is great. Go see them. Uh, they're playing Hillside, as I mentioned at the top of the show, on Sunday, July 24th in Guelph, Ontario. There's still tickets for that. So go see Tons. Go listen to Tons. It's really an amazing thing. If you want to learn more about this show, Creative Control of Vishkana, please go to vishkana.com. That's V-I-S-H-K-H-A-N-N-A.com. There you will learn how to access, download, stream the show on iTunes uh, at audioboom.com. You can also figure out how to make a flexible monthly donation to the podcast edition of the program uh, via our Patreon page at patreon.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. Creative Control of Vishkana is, uh, has its own page on Facebook. And you can follow us on Twitter at Vishcreative with a K. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Vishkana. A version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time, uh, courtesy of CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph or around the world at CFRU.ca. There's more uh, cool episodes coming up in the next little while. I know for sure I'll be featuring a conversation with Andy Schaff, who was just recently uh, shortlisted for the Polaris Music Prize for his uh, really cool new record, The Party. And I am working on a tribute to Alan Vega of Suicide with some interesting voices uh, chiming in to share what they thought of him, what they think of him, and the impact of Alan and his band, Suicide. So, uh, Alan Vega, uh, unfortunately, passed away at the age of 78 uh, this past weekend. So, I thought we should do something, and I'm working on a thing. We'll see if I can pull it all together. So, uh, I don't like to talk about things before they're done, but sometimes I do, and it's a mistake. Maybe it's a mistake, but this is coming together. I have some voices just waiting on a few more. So, anyway, that's me. That's the show. Uh, yeah, might take a break in August. Otherwise, I'm around. You can listen to old episodes at vishkana.com, all 270 of them. That's all I have to say. Listen to tons. I had more to say, apparently. Listen to tons. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.